Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And let's turn to the book of Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It will be a familiar passage to you, most likely. But as Gregory mentioned a little bit earlier, this is somewhat of an appetizer to the meal that begins in a couple of weeks. And so we are going to dive into a conversation on the exchange life. And so following Mother's Day, which is next weekend, fellas, just a heads up, uh, we're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. So tonight we are simply, uh, it's like when you, you take a rock and you just throw it across that pond and it just skips every now and then. That's all we're doing this evening, this weekend. In a couple weeks... Uh, we hope to put the scuba gear on and, uh, and go down deep into God's Word, starting in Romans chapter 5 through Romans chapter 8. But tonight, we're just introing the conversation with a little message called, No Longer I. Why don't you pray with me? Father, thank you for this evening, the meaningful time to worship you, and the beauty that that brings into the environment and into our lives. We ask you to work. Jesus Christ in powerful, meaningful ways this evening. Father, we will confess that we are ready to receive the word, the life-changing word of God, described in the scriptures as a two-edged sword. Father, may it pierce deep within our spirit and our soul this weekend to change us, to convict us, to call us to a deeper obedience and walk with you. I pray for my friends in the room. I pray for my friends watching this on video. Lord, that, that it is your spirit that ministers to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen and amen. Did you ever want to be like someone? Was there anyone in your life, maybe when you were a little younger, and, and intentionally or unintentionally, you adopted that person's maybe mannerisms or, or how they dressed. Come on, guys. How many of you in the room dressed like Crockett and Tubbs? Come on. I know you did. Some of you even had, what was that thing with business in the front and party in the back? What was that called? A mullet? That was a, that was a mullet. I, I think I had one of those. But in my life, one of, one, one of the guys that really I, I began to hone in on and said, hey, I began to kind of adopt some of those mannerisms and a, a little bit of the dress was Bruce Lee. And some guys at my high school knew about Bruce Lee and they got me connected with this guy named Bruce Lee. And, and I just kind of began to get into Bruce Lee. I, I liked Bruce Lee and, and so much that, that I went to the local you know, we call, it, uh, we call it a flea market in Oklahoma City. It's just this gathering place where you can buy stuff. And I went to this place, and, and I bought some Kung Fu shoes. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a pair of the Kung Fu shoes, and despite what you've heard, they do not make you a black belt. And so I used to wear the Kung Fu shoes, and quite frankly, they're pretty comfortable. And if I could get my hands on a pair today, I, I probably would, but... You know me, I, I don't stop. I always take it too far. I'm that guy, 
and, and I don't have a picture of these, but, but I'm the guy that took the next step and I bought some nunchucks. And uh, I don't know if you know what those are. And I had a couple pair of those and I, I kept them in the car. And quite frankly, I got, I got pretty proficient with the nunchucks. You know, there's that time early on when you're using the nunchucks and you're hitting yourself in the knee and the head and, and you're bruised up. But you, you've got to learn these things. And it, it was those elements of, of Bruce Lee's life. And I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. I just, I was a poser. I wasn't even a black belt, a white belt, a blue belt, a green belt. I didn't even have a belt. But I thought if I could live my life through Bruce Lee and I had the cool shoes and the nunchucks and some of the other stuff, I could be that guy. Well, it turns out I'm not that guy. And I, yeah, and, and I think with Jesus, I think with Jesus, sometimes that is, is our approach to him in that we, we want to glean some of those elements from Jesus' life that are attractive to us, that, that we see, well, that would be useful in my life. And, and, and as we pick and choose and we glean some of those things, it's, it's pretty amazing how often in my life that I've, I've picked and, and I, I chose this and I like that about Jesus. I'm not crazy about that. And so I just will pick and choose along the lives of Jesus what I like and what I don't like. This conversation that we're beginning this evening is, is not about a life being changed. The language is more about a life that's been exchanged. Not changing us. I don't think Scripture's like he's trying to change us. I think the Scripture teaches there's this beauty of an exchanged life. Watchman Nee said it this way. It's coming on the screen. He says we think of the Christian life as a changed life. But it is not that. What God offers us is an exchanged life, a substituted life, and Christ is our substitute within. Now, in the book of Galatians, I'm just going to give you a quick uh, backstory what's going on in Galatians. And Paul is writing this book probably around 80, 49, or 50. And as he writes to this group of churches in Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey, uh, he, he's writing with a, a very focused intention. In fact, I believe that this is the only epistle that Paul writes where there's not this encouragement, commendation in the epistle. He's getting down to business, and he does so immediately in the book. And he's getting down to business because what is happening in these churches in the region of Galatia is that there is this, this group infiltrating called Judaizers. Now, Judaizers would teach that if a Gentile was to come to faith in Christ, they would first need to observe the law, specifically through circumcision. After that, then they could come to Jesus. And so that's what's going on in Galatia. And, and Paul, he's going to write against that. He's coming up against that. And so the Judaizers said, hey, faith is really about a mixture of grace through Christ. And then we sprinkle in a little bit of the law. We bring those together and we have biblical faith. Paul immediately says, whoa, 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 stop the presses. In fact, notice what he says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ, and you are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven 
should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you another gospel than has what already been accepted, let him be eternally condemned. And so that's the backstory, the background, a little foundation of what Paul is saying here in this book. Now, I want us to look in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, kind of the focal passage of the conversation. It's coming on the screen. I'll be reading out of the NIV. Paul says that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let's have a, a conversation about the exchange life. How many of you uh, have read this, maybe have memorized this passage, or at least as we read the passage thought, oh, I've heard that before. Anybody? Yeah, it, it is a core passage of the Christian faith. And so let's look at what Paul says and break this down just for a moment with this idea of an exchange life. So Paul begins with this, this element, this declaration that I have been crucified with Christ. That's his declaration. That's what he's proposing. That is the intentionality of what he wants the Judaizers to hear, is that I have been crucified with Christ. Now, a couple things going on. First of all, there's this element in this message that there is this identification with Jesus. When he says, I'm crucified, he's simply saying, putting his hand in the air and saying, I'm identifying with Jesus Christ. In other words, the old Paul is dead. That's essentially what he's saying. But I think it goes a little deeper than just identifying with Christ. It carries with this idea of immersion and more than baptism. Certainly baptism is a picture of what Paul is talking about here, but it goes much deeper than just immersion in the baptism waters. He's speaking about the immersion of life, understanding what Christ did for all believers, believers are dead to that. What Christ has done for believers, we are dead to those elements that Christ carried to the cross. Does that make sense? So in that way, we have been crucified with Christ. Paul is saying his work is enough. It isn't Jesus plus some other stuff. It's just the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. That is enough for the salvation and the gospel that we see in the scripture. His justification on Calvary's cross, when Jesus says it is finished, it is a term meaning it is complete, it's over, the debt is paid, and that's if Paul is pounding the table and saying the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Christ, it is enough. It isn't Jesus plus other stuff, which we often do even in the current Western context of our churches. We'll say Jesus, but we like to add other things that fit our needs and kind of come into our context. But Paul is here. He's confessing he's crucified with Christ. It's paid in full. Jesus' work on the cross is the declaration. Nothing else needs to be added. Then he goes on to say, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I would love to explain that to you. 
I would love to be able to illustrate that where you're like, oh, I understand. I get it. I, I would love to, but I must confess, that's much deeper than I can possibly express in words. Paul says, I, I, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, no longer I, I live. And this, this life is Christ living in me. There is no more important truth in the scriptures. There's no more important truth in the scriptures than Christ living in his people. No more important truth. In fact, we see it throughout the New Testament. For example, in the 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, notice what Paul says. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Man, how many days have I not realized Christ Jesus is in me? How many times, how many moments have I not realized that Christ Jesus is in me? He goes on to say, unless, of course, you fail the test. What, what an amazing truth that Christ Jesus is in us. Isn't that a powerful truth? We often talk about who we are in Christ, but how many times do we talk about of who's the Christ in us? Let me say that again. You often hear who we are in Jesus. But I present to you a compelling argument is that we need to know who he is in us. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Think about that. Paul says this is the temple. This is the temple that we carry in these, these vessels of clay, the spirit of the living God. Christ in me. Just, why don't you say that with me, please? Christ in me. Paul says, I've been crucified with this Jesus. I no longer live and. It's this Jesus that lives in me. That, that's that exchanged life component that, that we want to talk about. And, and then he goes on to say, this life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who, who loved me and he gave himself for me. Paul's like, here's the paradox, right? I'm crucified, but I'm alive. You, 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 you see the paradox? I, Paul's dead, but Paul's living. It, it's, it, we see paradoxes in, in life all the time. You're like, now down, down deep, you're really shallow. Right? You, sometimes you have to spend money to make money. We, we deal with paradox all the time in life, and Paul has a paradox here. The paradox is, I, I, I've been crucified with Christ, yet, yet I'm still here, I'm still alive. And, and that's us, we still have the opportunity. 
with the life that God is giving us, this body, this flesh, where, where the Spirit of God is residing in us right now, how do we live out this life? We live it in the body and we live it by faith. We live it by faith. This word faith, the Greek word here means it's a, it's a, a conviction of trust with an implication that the actions based on that trust will follow. You've got to know that God responds to faith. He responds to faith. You're like, now wait a minute, Pastor. Does God respond to need? Yeah, but he responds to faith. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. And this is Jesus. He, he goes back to his hometown. He's back home. And, and listen what happens in this exchange in Mark chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. The scripture says that Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Mark goes on to say that Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. Which for me, that'd be a win. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, he didn't do much. He just healed a few people. You're like, okay, all right. Have you done that? I haven't. Verse 6. And Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Scripture says there's two times that Jesus was amazed. It's not easy to amaze Jesus. There's two times. This is one of the times. He is amazed at their lack of faith. The other time, Jesus is amazed at the centurion's faith. A man outside of the people of God. He, he, he's amazed by faith. So I would just ask you a simple question. Is Jesus amazed at your faith? Is he amazed at my faith? You see, God responds to faith. And I think that's why Paul says that this life that I live, I, I live by faith. I live by faith, by trusting in this Jesus. By believing everything that he has said, everything that he, he claims to be, I live this life by faith. Faith. Are you and I living out this life in complete trust to Jesus? If you ask me, it often depends on the day. You as well? It often depends on what's going on. If things are coming together fairly well, I'm pretty trusting in the Lord. If things are falling apart, sometimes it's a different story. But we have to grow in this trust. We've got to grow in this faith. Paul says it is, it is this faith. This is how I live this exchanged life. Then he ends the passage with this. He's talking about Jesus. He says, I'm living this life by faith because he is the one who has loved me and he's given himself for me. Wow. What a great message. What amazing news that Jesus loves you and I not only that, is that he has given himself for us. This word given, the Greek, it has a couple meanings. It means certainly to, to give over to something, but it means more than that. It actually means to commit yourself to someone. So think about that. Jesus, Paul is understanding that, that this Jesus is committing himself to me. 
He's, he, he is placing his trust into my life. He is taking up residence within me. And Paul is blown away that he was ambushed by the love of Jesus. He could not get over Jesus. May that be said of you and I. May that be said of us. They just can't get over Jesus. Paul just couldn't get over Jesus. He's writing this again, 80, 49, 80, 50. It's been a long time since Jesus knocked him off of that horse. <laughs> Somebody asked me this week, like, Pastor, how did you get this call to ministry? The first thing I said, well, it wasn't dramatic as Paul's. I said it was just as miraculous, but it was not as dramatic. What a story. Paul couldn't get over that he had been ambushed by Jesus. I'm going to confess that I eventually quit wearing those Kung Fu shoes. I don't know if Sharon got me out of those or I quit wearing the shoes. And, 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 I, and for, through the years, I, I'm not sure what happened to those nunchucks. I don't even know. It's probably best that I lost those or that somebody came in and said, uh, you're going to hurt yourself or someone. Let me get these out of your way. July 20th, 1973, Bruce Lee died, allegedly. I'm just teasing. He passed away, 1973. In AD 33, roughly, there was a man named Jesus. He went to a cross. And three days later, the scripture tells us that that man, Jesus, rose again from that grave. He rose again from the dead. And while I extracted some silly things from Bruce Lee's life, and you've done that maybe with a friend or a parent or someone at school or a popular athlete or a musician or a business person we've all looked at someone and and took a little bit and we've emulated some things but but we knew in the end we're just picking and choosing and and and, and when jesus rose from the dead he is alive forevermore he's alive right now in this moment and he is alive among his people and with that we cannot pick and choose what we want to emulate from the life of Jesus. He isn't. I am, well, I am convinced the more I try to understand what this means in my own life, he is not trying to change me into something better than I was before. He's actually exchanged his life for my life. There's this great exchange. And it is a powerful thing, and I don't fully understand it. I want to know more. But an exchange happened when Jesus rose from that dead, and everything that happened on the cross, His grace is enough. And when Paul stood on the table, theoretically speaking, saying to these Judaizers, His grace is enough. The gospel we have preached to you, that Jesus... He was died at the hands of, of angry men and he gave his life on a brutal cross and he rose again on the third day and he is alive forevermore. That Jesus is still alive today among and in his people. 
1980. I was 15 years old. In August of 1980, at the Falls Creek Baptist Camp in Davis, Oklahoma, on a Wednesday night, I fell on my knees at this bunk bed, and Jesus ambushed me with his love. And that day, the best that I knew how, I would say with Paul, if I would have known what he's talking about now, that I was crucified with Christ. 1980, at the age of 15. Three years later, 1983, I was 18 years old. At the same camp, Jesus ambushed me with his call. He says, I want you to share the message. I want you to share the message. Now, back in the day, in Baptist life, we said, I was called to preach. But I just surrendered my life to this call. 1983, at the age of 18. 17 years later. 17 years later, in the year 2000. I was at the same place, at the same cabin. And God ambushed me and Sharon with a new mission. That new mission... And there are people in this room that were on the ground floor of that. Nikki being one. Let me tell you how crazy that new mission was when God ambushed us with his love, Sharon and I. Let me tell you how crazy it was. We woke up at the Red Roof Inn at I-17 in Bell Road. That's how bizarre it was. I'll just tell you that right now. We, we ended up in Phoenix. Some of you, I think the Red Roof Inn is still there. I'm not recommending you spend a lot of time there. We left Oklahoma City one evening when we flew to Phoenix to met with some people about starting a church. My wife said, as I, this is my Bible, my wife said, I'd be willing to move to Phoenix if they have a Sam's Club. <laughs> we got in early, early one morning. The flight was late, storms everywhere. We landed in Phoenix. We didn't know where we were going. We hightailed it up the 51, and that time it stopped, I think, at Bell Road. It didn't, go, it didn't connect to the 101. So we headed west on Bell Road from the, from the 51. So you know how far we're going down Bell Road. Hit 3,000 stoplights that night. She says, and, and she, Sharon went to sleep in the car. She, it was tired. We were late. We pull into that red roof inn. Sharon wakes up. Looks as she woke up out of the car, she looked immediately to the north, and that's where the Sam's Club used to be. The first sign she saw in Phoenix outside of the airport was Sam's Club. And God ambushed us with his call, with his mission that began over 20 years ago. And I'm going to wrap this up. But you've got to know Jesus is for you, that he loves you. Paul knew it. 
Paul knew Jesus loved him. Paul knew Jesus was for him. He says it right here that he loved me and he, he gave himself for me. And my question would be, why would you not exchange your life for his and all that he is and all that he promises? Why would you not exchange your life for this Jesus? In the spring of 2001, the help of a lot of people, again, including Nikki, who leads this team. We went public in ministry at Coyote Hills Elementary School. It was a brand new school, 87th and the Parkway. That was April of 2001. I knew a, I knew a guy, and along with Nikki and a few others, they, they put a, a praise team together. It was more like an 80s rock band, but we called it a praise team. They were, they were great. I mean, they were fantastic. We had the best, literally, some of the best worship around. It was fantastic. And one of the guys on the team, and along with some other team members and maybe Nikki, this guy says, hey, I, I know a bass player. I just don't think he's a Christian. I'd never come across that before. And I'm like, well, let's, get, let's bring him on. Where else is he going to hear the message? bring him some people in our network got word that we had someone on the praise team playing bass that wasn't a believer and boy it got thick at times they're like you you don't you can't you shouldn't do that you, you don't you don't need that and I understand some of that but I'm like man it was a hard decision for us but my I just came back to well where else is the bass player going to hear the message of Jesus they're like, okay. One Sunday in that cathogenatorium that smelled like musty rolls, that bass player came to me after church and said, hey, pastor, I give my life to Jesus today. I give my life to Christ. And that bass player even though he was far from God at that time and he came to faith, and I believe it was 2001, maybe the first, one of the first people that came to faith. He became a good friend. He became a spiritual mentor to me. This is that bass player, Jason Pike. <laughs> Brother, you've been a mentor, a friend. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> Amen. I will just say all that to say this. If you will allow Christ to live in you, you will never know what this Jesus will do. But if you suppress the work of Christ, if you suppress the spirit of Jesus, if you suppress obedience to this Christ, I think you're going to miss out on the exchange life and what God ultimately has for you. You will not regret the exchanged life. Three takeaways and I'm done. I mean, I'm just going to list these. What, what can we do with this? Number one, you got to ask, does Christ have all of me? I say that to say, I believe we have all of Jesus. The question is, does Jesus have all of me? Second of all, we need a deeper understanding of Christ. We, we need to pursue a deeper understanding of who He is. 
That way we're able to recognize how he's working, when he's working, how he lives through our lives. Last thing, number three, is that we are to live this life by faith. So there are some takeaways, right? You have all of Jesus. Does he have all of you? Pursue a deeper relationship with Christ so you're able to recognize as he works in you that it's him and not you. Does that make sense? You're like, I see Jesus working in me. Two questions, and I'm going to pray. Next question, please, Stuart. Where do you see Christ living in you? Where do you see the word? Where do you see that Jesus living in you? Last question is this. What does this exchange life look like for you? Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.